Thank you, Mr. Chris. He's got double duty. He's headed back to the nursery now. Um, if our guest speaker, Patrick, would head up this way. Uh, we, we're celebrating uh, pastor appreciation, if you haven't decided that already or noticed that. And um, we take, take time to celebrate those who have been called by God to, to bring the word. And, and many of you do the same thing. But uh, today we set it aside um, for our pastors and for their wives and family because it's a, it's a team they work. And we've been so blessed here to, um, to have a team that, that has worked so well. And um, our guest, um, Patrick Fitzgerald, recently got married to our own Becky Farmerly Colic. And what, about two months ago now? Uh, and so we, we celebrate that. He has been here before. He pinched it for us and did a great job bringing, bringing the word. He's in a, in a church where there are four leaders, four pastors, four shepherds, all, all in one. And he's one of them. They don't have just one pastor. They, they share the preaching and teaching of the word. And I'm encouraged to have him come and bring us the word. So as he comes forward, I'm going to offer a word of prayer as he opens uh, God's word for us. Father, most of all, we celebrate you. We celebrate the way that you've been part of our lives, the way that you've redeemed us and you've brought us to yourself. Yes, we celebrate our pastors and leaders and helpers and so many others, but you're the one who has empowered us, and we give you thanks for that. And really, Father, as a congregation and as people today, we we blew it this week many times. We, we've sinned. We've gone our own way. We've rebelled against you at times. We ask that you forgive us as a people. Help us to be focused on you. We, we pray, Lord, that we might um, look to you for your redeeming power in our lives even now. And as we celebrate this time of worship, thank you so much that we can worship. And may you be glorified in our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. morning. Thank you for allowing me, uh, one, to come back and the privilege to, to be with you this morning. Um, as you've heard already this morning, we're, we're setting today aside for Pastor Appreciation uh, Day. Um, but there are many who are involved in the work. Uh, we recognize Bill and Dan and Drew. Um, I don't think I missed anybody, and if I did, please forgive me. It was unintentional. But we set this aside for them. But as Steve just mentioned, it's not just for them um, because they have uh, wives and, and children that, that the ministry takes them away from. Um, so there, there are many who are involved in this pastoral care and this ministry that, that they're involved in. There are those uh, like the lead leadership team here at, at Family Bible Church that are involved in pastoral work. There's those who are, or the, the family members that, that, that are being taken away from for, as they minister. Uh, and then there's those who are the prayer warriors for this ministry. So this message, while directed and we'll speak to and about uh, Dan and Bill and Drew, um, it, it's for all of us. Uh, there's nobody off the hook. This, this is going to speak to all of us, or at least that's, that was my intention as I began to prepare this. Um, and as Steve said, I am an elder in, in my local church, in my home church. Um, the 
text that we're going to look at is going to come from 1 Timothy chapter 4 today. But 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus are, are what some would call the, the pastoral epistles. Uh, Paul is teaching, um, teaching us what the, what, how we should behave ourselves when we come together, how we should act, how we should structure ourselves. Um, and we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to look at three areas. It's going to be first what a good minister looks like, what a, a godly minister looks like, and what a growing minister looks like. Now, in these pastoral epistles, you'll hear the word pastor-teacher, you'll hear the word elder, overseer, minister. They're all interchangeable. I'm probably going to use them multiple times and in different ways. We're talking about the same thing. So if I change up and I use elder because that's what we use in our local church, we're talking about pastors and teachers and, and ministers, okay? So I will interchange those, uh, and that's the way Paul approaches things. But we're going to look at those three areas. But before we do, the key verse actually comes from 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. And it reads, Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing these instructions so that, so that if I am delayed, you will know how the people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of truth. So you see in, in this scripture here, it, it kind of sets the tone for all three of these books, but primarily it's a message to us as to how we are to conduct ourselves when we come together. This isn't a physical building as, as you guys meet here at the middle school. Um, I started out in a, in a local church much like this. We met in a man's basement for many weeks, months. Uh, then we moved to a banquet room in a, in a hotel. Then we moved to a conference room in a, a business park. And then we finally merged with someone who had a building. So very familiar and that's a lot of times and as you look at the early church they met in house to house so um, we're not speaking about a building we're speaking about the body of Christ when they come together and how we are to conduct ourselves when we do that so when Paul talks to Timothy about how we are to conduct ourselves in the in the uh, household of God which is the church of the living God the first question then has to be, okay, am I in the church just because I showed up? Um, I don't think that that's what Paul's trying to communicate, and I think we need to take that up first. Because one has to understand what it is that puts someone in the church of the living God. And to do that, the scripture is full of scripture after scripture. I've just chosen a few. The first and my most favorite is, is from John 3.36. And whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, but God's wrath remains on him. You see, the scriptures are very clear. To be in the church, to be a part of the body of Christ, one has to believe Jesus Christ. And you say, well, Pat, I believe. I believe since I was a little kid. I grew up in a denomination that, that taught us that Jesus was God, that he came, that he was flesh, that he died, and he rose again. But I never believed until I was 17 years old that Jesus provides eternal life. You see, that to me was a defining difference. We're going to look at some scriptures because and believe in our society and in communication today carries with it a lot of different understanding. James 2.19 2, would tell us that um, you believe that there is one God, well, so do the demons, and they shudder. You see, they knew that Jesus was God. 
They had a hand in his death. They saw him rise from the grave, and they know that they're beaten. They know the end of the story. They know what's coming. So just to say that I believe, the question becomes, believe what? And I think we have to address that first. And, and I do this from, from uh, a passage, several passages, starting with John 1. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning, the Word was God. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Um, and, and so you have this picture of God in the beginning of time and Jesus being there because 14 verses later it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. So we can see that Jesus is God. He was with God. And when he came and was born and took on flesh, he was still God. And then in Romans, it says that God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to, receive, to be received by faith. So you, we have this, this progression. And then you have 1 Corinthians 15, one, another one of my favorites. is, O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? For the sting of death is, for the sting of sin is, it results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so with these verses, if you put this together, what Jesus is saying is this. I am God. I was God. I am God when I came in the flesh. I, I took on flesh. I lived perfect, a, a perfect life, a sinless life. I died in your place. Jesus says, I died in your place. Jesus says that I rose from the grave, I overcame death, I ascended on high, I'm seated next to my Father, and because of this, I have the power, the ability, and the love to offer you eternal life. Do you believe me? Just like he asked Mary and Martha at the, at the tomb of their brother Lazarus, he said, I'm, I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And that's what we're talking about when we say believe in Jesus. That not only did he die and buried and rose again and seated at the right hand of the Father, but because of that, he offers us eternal life. Do you believe? Because if you don't, and if you're here this morning and you have not trusted Christ for your eternal security, I encourage you to give that some serious consideration. You see... And, and if you want to question me about it later, I'm, I'm all for that. Or you can see Bill or Dan or any of, any of the folks here at Family Bible Church. They'll, they'll share that with you because that's our passion. That's our mission. But that's what we're talking about. Those individuals who have believed on Jesus Christ are now in the body of Christ. And each of us then, other scriptures would tell us that we have a role, a function. Uh, just like the human body. We might call Dan, Bill, and, and, and Drew the face because they're, they're out there. They're, we see them. They're, they're, they're doing that work. We might have the leadership team as the heart because they're doing the work behind the scenes, the blood pumping and flowing. You might see, I'm not, I was having a question with, or discussion with Becky. I think it's the liver that, that cleanses your blood. Imagine if that was who you were, okay? <laughs> The blood flows through. You're the guy that has to get all the junk out, okay? But we all have a function in the body, okay? Today we're talking about our pastors and, and that, but we all have a role in this uh, together. 
So as we look, take up First Corinthians, or excuse me, First Timothy chapter four. There's three chapters in the beginning that, that come in here, and in chapter one, Paul is instructing Timothy. He says, "Be on guard. Stop the false teaching that's going on. Stop the misuse of the law. Proclaim the gospel. Defend the faith." Paul is instructing Timothy to do these things. He's instructing our pastors to do these things. He's instructing each of us to do these things. In chapter 2, he's talking about that, that we should be a praying church because everything that we do is bathed in prayer, consecrated by the word and prayer. He talks about being a praying church. Then he goes on and he talks about being a praying man. Okay? That men, we should be coming together for the purpose of prayer, petitioning our Heavenly Father, our Savior Jesus Christ, for the work that we're involved in. He goes on in the same chapter and talks to ladies. He says that the women should be praying women and they should be women of character. And he defines what that looks like. And then you get to, to chapter 3. He's talking about church order and church structure in elders, pastors, deacons, teachers. And then we, we jump into chapter 4. And that's where we're going to pick up. It's broken down into three areas. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to look at three things. What that good minister looks like, what a godly minister looks like, and what a, pr a growing minister looks like. So, in uh, the first six verses of chapter 4, let's read those before we take them up. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars, those whose conscience have been seared as a hot iron. They forbid people to marry, order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good. Nothing should be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and by prayer. If you point these things out, Timothy... Timothy's not there. But if you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truth of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. You see, Timothy was brought up by his mother and grandmother and was taught the word, got saved at a very young age, and began to follow those teachings. And Paul is encouraging him to take that on and continue that progress. And in this first section here, and he talks to him about what is a good minister. It's one who identifies that false teacher, one who, who refutes the false teacher, one who exposes those false teachings. And we're going to talk specifically about Bill and Dan and Drew. Drew's got probably one of the, the most challenging, and as someone is, uh, that has worked in youth leadership for a long time, you have to speak truth to young people. Where is Drew? I've got to see him. There he is. You've got a challenge because society and everything that they're facing is almost completely, if not utterly, opposed to the truths of God. And you have a challenge to speak truth to our young people, to teach them what God is talking about. There's two examples here in this first section. He says, forbidding men to marry and, teach, and, 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 and making them abstain for food. Let's talk about marriage for just a second. Society would teach our young people that living together before marriage is okay. You have to speak truth in love and convince them that God's way is better. 
There's nothing better in marriage than doing it God's way. It's not, there's, there's just nothing better. You have a challenge with that. The society today would, would, would teach them that, that same-sex marriages were okay. You have to speak truth to our young people. You have a challenge before you. And God and, and Paul and Timothy, they're, they're teaching us what that looks like. There's an example. I don't know if you, you may have heard this already, but the Federal Reserve Bank, I believe in Washington, D.C., they train their people to, to watch for counterfeit bills. And the way that they do that is, is they teach them and they train on it every single day what the original looks like, what the authentic looks like, and they study it and they work on it. That way, when a counterfeit comes across, all the bells and whistles and flags are going off and they can identify it. And that's what he's saying to us. Know the original. Know the truth. Speak it in love. That way, when these deceiving spirits, these, these wrong teachings come across, you'll be able to identify them. And Drew, you have a complete challenge with that with our young people, as, as, as I can relate to. Um, so, so stay the course. Continue to do the work. It is, it is a, a blessing in the end, I can promise you that. Because later we're going to see that, that this work that we strive and labor for has promise for this life and the life to come. Dan, you might have thought you were off the hook just, you know, because some look at music and they, they like the band. They think it's great music. They can kind of get into the rhythm. I have no rhythm, so you won't see me doing any of those things. But you have a challenge as well. When I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, music, I mean, back then they talked about how they had demonic things that if you played them backwards or they were subtle that your subconscious was picking up. That may or may not have been true. We may or may not have some of those today. But here's the real truth about music and the, the, the ministry that you're involved in. For me, if you look at just today's culture, I like country music. I've listened to it for years. I have given it up for the most part. Uh, and I listen to Joy FM now because I found that it changed my attitude about a whole lot of things when I did. But I liked country music. And there's a joke about country music that if you played country music backwards, you get your wife back, your house back, and your dog back. Okay? Well, and we all chuckle and I laugh because I tell that joke, okay? But it just makes light and sport of an institution of marriage that God called good and holy. And your challenge is just to keep us focused off of music like that that's going to degrade God's institutions, that's going to make sport of them, and stay focused on the things that cause us to, to want to overflow from the heart and to worship God. And keeping our music that way. Because how many of you have children and try to get them to memorize something? been a challenge, right? But if you give them music, it sticks. Dan, that's your challenge. Keep us focused on the music that is honoring to God and, and causes our hearts to well up and worship Him. There's other music besides country that is just vulgar and degrading to women. And, and that's what is just being pushed and, and into our lives at every turn. So stay the course. Keep it up. Don't worry about how you worship up here, okay? You're right. If, if it bothers them, don't look. Because, but that's what God's calling each of us to do, and we have different ways to do it. And, and because we're different functions, we have different parts, but yet, Dan, lead us in that. Stay the course. Be on guard, though, for those things that are just totally contrary to what God would have us to be doing. Bill, 
you've got a challenge. Bill, I, I'm a, the pastor's pastor, if you will. Um, we look at Bill and, and people come to his doorstep with broken lives, shattered lives, be it his home, be it his office, be it this gathering here. And he has to be able to be that salve to, to heal those broken lives. He's got to be able to take the word of God and speak truth into it and be the salve, that healing hand. And to do that, that's a challenge. He, he says, know what's truth, speak truth in love, and you will be a good minister. And those are the challenges that these guys and many others face. The lead, leadership team does that. You may do that on a personal basis because scripture would tell all of us that older men are to teach younger men, older women are to teach younger women, and that's how our faith gets passed one to another and how we do this well. So verse 6 says, If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the word of faith and the good teaching that you have followed. Notice that he says, if you point these things out. He didn't say, come in and command and demand. He didn't say, come in and teach these things and then be their Holy Spirit and convict them of the things that they're not doing. He simply says, be a good minister. Point these things out. But then allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. You guys have a challenge. God has all things in control, though. Okay? So to be a good minister, point these things out to the brothers. For those of us who are in the, in the, uh, in the audience, when, when Bill or some other, one of the other brothers is speaking and you're going, man, was he watching me this week? It sounds like he's talking right to me. That's why. You see, they're just being a good minister as God has called them to be. If you look at the next section, which is verses... 6 through 12. Now 6 you found, I didn't make a mistake, I intended 6 to be in both because it's kind of a bridge between the two. So we're going to pick up in verse 6 and read through 12 now. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truth of the faith of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly, for the physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding a promise for both this present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying and deserves full acceptance. And for this we labor and strive, that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, and especially those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. You see, so Paul is telling Timothy to move on from just being a good minister now to being a godly minister. And that would be to become Christ-like. What he's saying to him is, is expose the error and speak truth in love. Verse 7 says that nothing, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Paul's instructing Timothy and to pastors and to elders and to teachers. He says, don't get caught up in all of this junk. There's no value in it. You speak of a, a, the physical training. Now, he's not saying that physical training and workout is not good. He's just saying that godly training and godly working out is better. 
And so we're separating the two. An Olympic athlete would deny themselves uh, certain foods during training. They would, they would have harsh treatment of the body to, to, to get ready for that competition. And they would go and they would compete. And if they win, there's the, the self-promotion and the self-glory. What Paul is instructing Timothy is, is take that same intensity, do it towards godly training for the purpose of godly praise and godly worship. So you have these things then, using the two examples that Paul used earlier of marriage and abstaining from food. In other scriptures, Paul would teach that, that being single is best because then we can devote ourselves wholly to God and to his work. He says, but marriage is a godly institution. It's ordained by God back in Genesis. Um, it, it, is, it is blessed by Jesus in, in his presence and, and first miracle in Canaan. Uh, at, the, at the wedding in Galilee. So you have this thing, and so to, to say then that we can improve that is wrong. It's just, it, 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 it's contrary to the way God would have it. Now there's scripture that would teach us as married folks that we are to stain, abstain from marital relationships for a time of prayer by mutual consent, but only for a short time and then come together so Satan doesn't tempt you, okay? You take that concept then today and, and apply it, not just to marriage, but to what we're talking about here. Devote yourself to prayer. Do this, and, and it doesn't allow for Satan to tempt us. These are good and God-given uh, instructions um, using just the two examples. But the key to these two examples whether it be abstaining from foods or, or abstaining from marriage. Use, this is a form of legalism when we as humans try to improve on what God has already laid out for us. And what legalism does is it takes our eye off the ball. It puts it on self and takes it off of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so what he's saying is, is don't take your eye off the ball. You want to be a godly minister? Don't take your eye off the ball. It's all about God. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us or the individuals doing the work. So as a godly minister, he's saying, keep your eye on the ball. And that ball is Jesus Christ. Huh. Notes got out of order, and I didn't even notice it. I wasn't using my notes, so we'll have to figure this out. There we go. All right. So as, as Paul is instructing Timothy on what a godly minister looks like, he's in this section, and then you come to verse 9, and it says, this is a trustworthy, excuse me, verse 9. This is a trustworthy saying, deserves full acceptance, for which we labor and strive. Now, some would take that, that, that verse, verse 9, and they would question, is it linked to verse 8 or is it linked to verse 9? Many would say it's linked to verse 9. I disagree. I think it should be linked to verse 8, and here's why. In verse, or excuse me, in verse 10. Uh, in verse 10, it says that, uh, and for this we labor and strive, that we have put our hope in the living that we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all men and especially for those who believe. The reason I differ with some who say that that's what is a trustworthy saying, and don't misunderstand, don't hear what I'm not saying, that is a trustworthy saying. Okay? But Paul is writing to believers here, 
And what he's saying is, is because we have put our faith and trust in the living God, the Savior of all men, and especially those who believe, he says, labor and strive then for the things that we read in verse 8, which are, for the physical training is of some value, but godliness is value for all time, for all things, holding the promise of both holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. That's the trustworthy saying. We've already trusted Jesus Christ. We've already believed Jesus Christ. We're already in the body of Christ. And because of those things, we should labor and strive then to do what he's instructing Timothy to do as godly ministers. And that's what he's saying to us here, is so that we then understand that we are to labor and strive to be Christ-like in our Christian walk, both as ministers, as leadership team, as individuals, we should labor and strive to be Christ-like. And that holds promise for this life and the life to come. Amen? Paul would then, not Paul, but in other scripture, it would talk, Second uh, 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 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting any should perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. For this reason, for this reason, be that godly minister. You see, in some cases, that godly, a minister may hold an office, but he has a congregation who won't follow. You may have a, a music pastor who, who the congregation doesn't get the music. You may have a youth leader that the youth are, are sitting quietly giving you the, the head bob, and as they turn 18, they just walk away from the faith. Okay? What Paul is saying here is, is that that godly minister who is Christ-like draws people to themselves so that they can be used by God to minister in those lives, just like Jesus did. He was strong, but he was not overbearing. He spoke truth, and people were drawn to him. And that's what he's saying here is, is, and the reason we want to be this godly minister is to draw those people who are broken and lost to God so that we can reflect the glory of God into their lives and we can be used by him. That's a godly minister. Verses 13 to 16 speak of a growing minister. And they read, Until, you, till I come, devote yourself... <clears throat> Excuse me. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of the scriptures, to the preaching and teaching. Do not neglect the gift that was given you through the prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Don't misunderstand me or this scripture to say that we have something to do with someone's salvation. We are simply the conduit of God through us to those lives that need to be broken, and that's what he's referring to. But if you look at these verses, Paul makes five appeals to Timothy to be a growing minister. And these five appeals apply to myself, to Bill, Dan, Drew, and each of us here. And he says in verse 11, first, be an example in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. People will follow people who they believe are authentic. You see, some of us have run into people who, 
who have held the, the position of pastor, minister, teacher, but they don't get it. They're fool. They think that their position is what people are following because you have that. No, it's because your life is an example. You practice what you preach. You see, most of us can look at it and go, yeah, that's not real. You could say that, but you don't live it. You know, we heard, we heard Steve pray that we've all failed this week. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a consistent life that is honoring to God. We're all going to fail on this side of eternity. We simply do. That's, that's our human nature, unfortunately, until we come. In verse 13, he says, Proclaim the gospel. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, the preaching and teaching. What he's saying is, is be that beacon. Be that, 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 that minister, that church, that individual who is speaking and proclaiming the gospel. Because that's what saves people. That's what draws people to God. In verse 3, he says, Do not neglect the gift. Each of us, at the moment that we believe Jesus, are given a gift, a function, a role, a job in the body of Christ. And what he's saying to Timothy is, Do not neglect your gift. Now, I would say, I use the example, I think it's the kidney. Imagine if your kidney quit fit working. If you had the gift and you were the kidney and you quit working, the body is going to suffer. It is not good. So our challenge is each of us don't neglect the gift that God has given you. Be diligent, he says, then, in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Be an example of spiritual maturity. Display spiritual growth. And this is known as transitional sanctification. You see, when we believe Jesus, we are we are positionally sanctified in God's eyes he looks at us through Jesus and his death burial and resurrection says sanctified but you and I when you look at me you need to see a transitional sanctification when we look at Bill and Dan and Drew we need to see them growing in their Christ likeness and when the people that you have influence in their life they want to see you growing in your Christ likeness that's the challenge there and then he says watch your life and your doctrine He's saying, Timothy, a growing minister, will scrutinize his life and his theology. Make sure you're consistent with what you're saying. Be a godly minister. The perfect antidote, if you will, to false teaching and false teachers is being a good minister speaking the truth in love. Being a godly minister backing it up with a consistent life. And being a growing minister, which is devoting themselves to that growth and becoming Christ-like. Now, I have not known you all, all that long, almost a year now, but I see it. You have that in Dan, Bill, and Drew. You have that in your leadership team. You have that in many individuals. And the reason I know that is because of the individuals in this fellowship and the way that they conduct themselves. So, whatever your role, stay the course. Stay the course. Continue to speak truth and love. Those of you who are supporting that ministry, be it wives or leadership team or whatever your role is, continue that. If you're one of those prayer warriors, wear out your knees because we need it. There, there's nothing more to that that, that, that that can be more profitable to that. So, I encourage you, Bill, Dan, Drew, 
Thank you for the work that you do. Continue to do it on behalf of all of us. Thank you. Um, and, and let's continue to be that good, godly, and growing minister in all that we do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your scriptures that teach us. We thank you for the Apostle Paul and for Timothy and, and the example that they were to us and how things ought to be. I pray, Lord, that we would take these things, that your spirit would convict us in the areas that we need to grow, that we would be drawn to yourself, we would be drawn to, to being the godly individuals, ministers, pastors, teachers, youth leaders, music leaders, whatever role we have, but that we would strive and labor to be Christ-like in all that we do. We ask this in your name. We wait for, patiently to see you uh, answer our prayers and to be used by you in this work. It's in your holy and worthy name we pray. Amen.